It's the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. Coming in three, two, one. Three planets are still hanging out in the early mornings. An early month unusual conjunction and a meteor shower make this time of socially distancing ourselves a great time to get outside at night. Welcome to Observing with Webb, where a high school astronomy teacher tells you what you're looking at, why it's so cool, and what you should check out later this month at night. Don't forget that you can catch this on YouTube, Mr. Webb PV. You can listen to it as a podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. My social media is Mr. Webb PV and at PV Planetarium. So uh, anyway, here's what we got going on for April. Uh, some interesting things. Uh, let's start off with the moon just to see when's good to see those constellations. Uh, we actually have two first quarter moons. The first one is on the first and that's when the right half is lit up and it is visible until midnight. Now the full moon is on the 7th, uh, so about a week in. You uh, kind of lose sight of the dimmer constellations but they'll still be up there with the full moon. Then it gets a little better with the last quarter moon on the 14th, and that's when the left half of the moon is visible only from midnight and into the morning. So basically, once you get past uh, the first third of the month, you're looking at pretty good skies for the nighttime. Then on the 22nd is the new moon, which works out well for our meteor shower, you'll see. And the second first quarter moon is on the 30th. And that, again, is the right half lit up until midnight. So, um, yeah, that's actually looking pretty good. And we have some good stuff that's actually pretty well spread out throughout the month. So let's talk about some of these events. So on the 2nd to the 4th of April, uh, anybody can see this. It is a conjunction between Venus and the Pleiades. Now, this is going to be really, really neat because these are two naked eye objects that just about anyone can see. And you won't see anything like this again until 2028. And it's super easy to find. Just get out after sunset look west, find the brightest object in that direction, which is Venus, which is about halfway up the sky. You'll be able to see the mini, mini dipper shape of the Pleiades star cluster in that same spot. See how many stars, how many of those stars you can see with your naked eye. So the third is when Venus is right in the cluster. It's actually kind of right below the handle of that mini, mini dipper. Uh, but on the 2nd and the 4th, it's also close by. Um, and, you know, essentially you are looking at two objects of very differing size and age. One is a planet that's about 4.5 billion years old. The other is a star cluster about 10 light years wide and only 100 million years old. 
So this is the time for binoculars and uh, cheap telescopes because Venus is easier to find in those and the detail in the Pleiades can really come out in this type of modest equipment. So again, second to the fourth, find Venus. Pleiades is right there. Uh, you do need it to get pretty dark to see the Pleiades there, but they'll be there. Okay. Um, and actually, there's not much going on until mid-month which is when we have a nice close encounter between the moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Now, you're going to have to get out in the morning for this one, but make sure you get out after 5 a.m., but before 6 a.m., daylight savings time, uh, for each of these mornings so that you can enjoy. Now, let me show you this lineup. Moving up and to the right, we're going to have Mars down and to the left, then Saturn, and then Jupiter, and they're going to be in the south-southeast. But also, you can enjoy the moon crashing through the party from the 14th to the 17th. What does this look like? So, the third quarter moon on the 14th will be up and to the right, or actually just to the right of Jupiter on the 14th. And then what's going to happen is the moon's going to move into that collection of planets, and it'll be right below Saturn on the 15th. It'll be about 4 degrees down into the left of Mars on the 16th, and then on the final day, it'll be far to the left of all of them on the 17th, and it will have turned a bit more crescent. So you get a really cool uh, look at how the moon changes its shape um, as it passes by these three planets. But again, 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, is really your chance to see that. So, yeah, get up early. Uh, and then we've got the Lyrid Meteor Shower, the next big highlight for this month. Uh, it doesn't really get any better for observing the Lyrids than this year. We have, now, the Lyrid Meteor Shower is only about 10 to 20 meteors per hour. Okay, It's a minor shower, but we have a new moon, so it won't get drowned out by the moonlight. So just look north in general, in the morning before dawn. Honestly, just go out any time of the night, but, you know, there should be more in the morning. Uh, but the shower is greatest on the 22nd, but you might be able to see some on the 21st and the 22nd and the 23rd as well. But technically, it peaks in the early morning hours, so getting up early is probably best, but it might be easiest to go out at night before bed. That's what I'm going to do. Just remember that each meteor that you see, each, quote, falling star, is really a piece of debris that is left over from a comet when it went through our solar system. And we are crashing into it at over 100,000 miles per hour. And that crushes the atmosphere in front of that piece of comet dust, and it heats up the air around it, and that's what's causing that bright flash. Now, some advice for actually watching, make sure that you find a dark location and lie down in a reclining chair or something that insulates you from the ground. Um, check the weather to see if the skies are going to be clear. You don't want to waste your time. Also, make sure you adapt your eyes to the dark by staying away from light sources. And yes, that includes your phone or using a red light if you do need to look at a star chart 
um, or you need to not trip over anything. Um, if you're feeling extra nerdy, you can do a scientific meteor account from Sky and Telescope or the International Meteor, meteor Organization. Um, but yeah, or find out. Well, I usually say find out if your astronomy club is holding a viewing party, but I hope they're not. Uh, but they might have some stuff online for you and some some ideas for good places around you that don't have good that don't have bad light pollution. All right. So again, that's the twenty second. The Lyrid meteor shower happens every year. Have a good time. And then lastly, we have the twenty sixth. We have a nice close encounter between the Moon and Venus. Um, all you need to do is get out after sunset and watch the western sky. This is the easiest one to find. Just go out after sunset. Look where the sun just was. The moon's going to be a young, thin crescent, and it's going to be about three finger widths from the brightest point out there, which is Venus. Uh, the moon will also be nearby Venus on the days before and after this, so you should be able to get some good views of that no matter what, but it's closest on the 26th. All right, so those are our events. Don't forget to mark down the 26th Close Encounter Moon and Venus, 22nd Lyrid Meteor Shower, 14th to the 17th Moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and the conjunction of Venus and the Pleiades on the 2nd to the 4th. So let's move on to those planets. So as far as planets go, we've kind of covered them all, but I want to give you a little more detail. Um, for sunset, our big planet, of course, is Venus. All you have to do is look west. Now, we just got past maximum Venus because it reached its highest height above the western horizon last month, but we still have two good months left of the sunset planet. Just watch the sunset, look west. Venus is that brightest light and the first object you see off in that direction. And now, here's the cool part. If you have binoculars or a telescope, you'll be able to see the half-lit phase of Venus, just like a quarter moon, in the beginning of the month. And then that's going to turn into a bigger and more crescent Venus by the end of the month. Now, don't forget it's going to be running through Pleiades in the first week as well. Now, we don't have any planets throughout the night. However, we do have... In the morning, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars. So the main show in the mornings is this lineup, right? All you have to do is get out there well before sunrise. Now, sunrise is at 6.47 in the beginning of the month, about 6 a.m. at the end of April. Just get out there before sunrise any morning and start by finding the brightest spot in the southeast. That's going to be Jupiter. Now, from there, you can find Saturn and Mars. Saturn will be the bright spot that is consistently less than a fist width down and to the left of Jupiter all month. Now, Mars has a slightly different story, though. It starts out right below Mars. I'm sorry, right below Saturn, uh, just after their conjunction, which was just the very last day of the last month. And then it moves further and further left each day. And it approaches about 20 degrees or two fist widths away from Saturn by the 30th. So you can really see the difference in movement around the constellations from planet to planet. And before I sign off for the uh, day, night, whatever this is... Um, 
let's talk about some constellations. So I'm going to break it down into after dinner, before bed, and before work. Now, after dinner, if you're looking uh, pretty much straight up, you'll be able to see Leo very high in the south, almost straight up above you. It's the backward question mark with the right triangle to the left of that question mark. And um, there's also probably your last glimpse of Orion, Taurus, the Pleiades, Gemini, Auriga, and Canis Major off in the west. I had some fun photographing them the other night. Um, also, before bed, you should start seeing the Big Dipper and Bootes or Booties, high above you. So you can find Leo again um, and look a little bit behind you and high in the sky. You should be able to find the Big Dipper, which is essentially seven very bright stars that form a spoon shape. Now, if you take the handle of the dipper and you follow its curve to the next bright star you see about 30 degrees away, that is Arcturus. That's why one of the common phrases in planetarium nerds is follow the arc to Arcturus. That's the biggest star in Booties or Bootes, which looks like a kite, even though they thought it looked like a shepherd back in the Greek days. Now, take that same curve that you just made and follow it another 20 degrees to speed on to Spica, the brightest star in Virgo. One of my favorite constellations reminds me of the Dickinson Mermaid. It's kind of hard to find. The stars are dim, but they are very clearly in a neat pattern. Now, if you're getting up before work, though, you've got some different ones to look at. Um, basically, look straight above you and find the brightest star up there. You'll notice a little parallelogram attached to it, and this is the brightest star, Vega, part of the constellation Lyra the Harp. Next to that is a keystone-shaped constellation called Hercules. And on the right side of the keystone is a small cluster of stars known as the Hercules Cluster, which is a collection of hundreds of stars on the outskirts of our galaxy. Given how high it is in the sky right now, you might catch its faint fuzziness with your naked eye, but a set of binoculars or a small telescope will really help you see it. Don't forget that um, you know you can find all this information on my Podbean page in the form of text and hyperlinks. Uh, also, Stitcher and iTunes. There's also a video version on my YouTube channel, and I can be found on Twitter and Instagram as at MrWebPV. The Peckway Valley Planetarium and its events are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle at PVPlanetarium, even though we're not really doing anything right now. So, but I've been posting some interesting activities that you can do, uh, and given that I have an astrophysics class that I need to make assignments for, I'll be recording and posting some more videos about how to find some of this stuff. So, hopefully, we'll get even more content out of this out of the coronavirus, coronavirus, COVID nineteen closings. So, anyway, I hope you all stay safe. Make sure you get out at night, but make sure you stay a good six plus feet away from everybody, uh, except those in your house. And uh, really, I hope everyone's doing okay. And if you felt like sending me a question, I'd be happy to answer it on the next podcast or. 
you know, this is a time where I can interact a little bit more than I usually do. So anyway, with that, I wish you very clear, safe, dark skies for the month of April. Listening to the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. The 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is produced by the Planetary Science Institute. Audio post production by Richard Drum. Bandwidth donated by Libsyn.com and Wizard Media. You may reproduce and distribute this audio for non-commercial purposes. This show is made possible thanks to the generous donations of people like you. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon.com forward slash 365 Days of Astronomy and get access to bonus content. After 10 years, the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is entering its second decade of sharing important milestones in space exploration and astronomy discoveries. Join us and share your story. Until tomorrow, goodbye. <laughs>